Okay, hello. Uh, welcome to What Is This Keep Happening to Me? I am Dr. B. And today I'm going to be speaking with Christine Alkema. She is a life and leadership coach and she teaches self-compassion, positive psychology, and mindfulness meditation. She also provides business management consulting to owners of small and large businesses on how to be more successful and profitable in their business. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So after we had met, you had run a a little uh, class for us, for our staff on self-compassion, and it was really helpful. And uh, I just wanted to you know, pick your brain and and see how you got into this work, and um, you know, just hear your story on how your life brought you to this point to practice the way you do now. Great, yeah, I know. Um, it's been quite a journey. It's funny how we start in one place and we find ourselves in another area. Um, I'd say that the greatest impact for me, I was a um, business management consulting in a large um, firm, uh, traveled internationally doing neat things like rolling out the world's first global wireless telecommunications company and fun things like that. So when I had my kids, I, I couldn't, do both of those things really well <laughs> at the same time. And so um, took time off. Um, and so I took a, I, I took a long time off. I waited to both of my children were in grade school. So I took eight years off and I went, came back into the workforce. I came, I was fortunate enough to be able to come back at the place I left, um, which was in a management position. Um, but I found how much had changed in the time that I had left and how that had impacted my ability to kind of transition back into the workforce and then back into a new role with my children um, not being there full time. And so that massive change in my life led me into a spiral of depression. (laughs) Um, I'll be honest with you. And um, that's when I started seeking tools of how do I get out of this? How do I get unstuck from where I am right now? Um, And so I looked at multiple facets. I tried this acupuncture and I was like, okay, all I did was cry the whole time, which was good. I kind of released energy that I was, I had pent up. Um, And then I tried a life coach for the first time um, and was introduced to that. And I'll never forget her saying to me, the one, you know, powerful thing that um, came out of that was I kept saying to her, I know there's another side and I just want to get there. I just want to get to where that is. And she goes, but you're going to miss the best part. This is the best part. Yeah. This came here for. This is what the journey is all about. Um, and I did also at that time because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat and I had really difficult time functioning. Um, I did see a psychiatrist and I did, you know, get antidepressants to kind of help me then level out. So I share that because I think um, our approaches in life doesn't have to be one way. Um, There's sometimes multiple layers that help us get through difficult times. Um, And so that not only helped me get through the difficult time, but it also then helped me um, see different strategies for as I went now down my new path as an executive, um, what were resources available to me? And so I found myself going, you know, transitioning again from consulting into an internal position um, in the federal government. And that was a massive shift for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was responsible for at that time was 
the coaching program, the executive coaching program. I was like, well, okay, I don't know a whole lot about this. So I might as well get myself a coach and figure out what am I going to do with this group that I've been handed um, without any direction other than what do you want to make it, Christine? And I was like, okay, that's a great place to be, but that's a huge responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up getting myself an executive coach and she helped coach me through the year where I had this, I call this sort of the land of the misfits, where I had this team that had no purpose and no direction and really no leadership until I walked in and was able to, within that year, transition them into building a division of internal consultants for the organization uh, with two different branches servicing the needs of the organization. Mm -hmm. And so it was such a powerful experience for me, um, the coaching that I ended up going into um, a coaching program at George Mason University. And at George Mason, then I was introduced to mindfulness. I mean, I remember the first book they gave us was, you know, read this about mindfulness. And I was sitting there by the pool, I'm reading the book, and I'm kind of laughing at my husband. And I go, uh, this is nice for people who have the time for this, but I do not have the time for this. And he starts laughing. He goes, are you kidding me? He's, what do you think you do when he starts listing, you know, like the knitting and these other things that I do to create that sense of balance in my life? And that sort of started opening the possibility of like, okay, well, maybe I'll touch my feet into the water here. And then the more I went through the coaching program, I started to see, even with the, the, the executives I was working with, the difference coaching was making with them. And the real power was behind the mindfulness because there's lots of coaches out there. Um, but that real shift of really being able to create that sense of mindfulness of being not, you don't shut down the noise, but you start to go in and you start to be able to be more present because as a leader, it is very easy to be all over the place. Um, and you can't serve, you don't serve anyone well when you're that scattered, um, when you're not really in touch with yourself. Um, and then that led me into this whole realm of positive psychology. Um, my children at the time then were becoming teenagers. And I started to see how the, the negativity of their environment with all of these, the technology, the advancements of technology and how unkind um, kids could be and the impact that has on a child. And then even in, in the same in the workplace, I mean, I, so it started seeing the same parallels of how this, the growth in technology and the changes in our work environment have in times made us very unkind to one another um, and not really being in touch with that. And so the positive psychology piece of it is then what started building the foundation of the way I coach. Um, and so bringing those elements into the coaching experience and then just the mindfulness. And then that led me to um, meditation um, because that was the tool that I started finding the most um, benefit from being able to, even if it's just five minutes a day of being able to stop and pause and really connecting um, with your breath and knowing that you have all of these tools within you um, and oftentimes we're not slow enough to stop and pause and be able to check into it. And that's, I think, the beauty of a coach of being able to pull those things out of you and being able to see, wow, I'm completely whole as I am. I just didn't know I had any of these tools and resources available to me. Yeah, because I what you're saying, so many people are externally focused, especially if we're talking about being leaders and right. developing and growing. And you're saying this practice of being mindful 
in, in looking inward, it's actually what makes you a better leader outside of you. Yeah. Right. And, right. And I think that's the beauty of mindfulness really is that it's like that, that reaction you got sitting by the, you know, reading your book out by the pool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the word mindfulness, they kind of like, Oh, well, that's not for me, but, but realizing that you're actually probably already practicing it in some ways, like doing the knitting or the cooking, or, you know, or something that you become immersed yeah. in, but that it can serve you in all of the other activities that you're already engaged in, but you're not actually present. Right. right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you started getting into being a coach, a leadership and life coach, um, that's when you got into your own mindfulness meditation practice, or did it happen when you were going through the difficulties before that? Um, well, it was part of that. It was my own personal experience, um, that I started exploring, get the leveraging a coach myself mm-hmm. and even the difference between a life coach and a leadership coach, you know, uh, being able to work with someone on the, um, you know, behaviors, things that were going on in my, my life. And then my leadership coach was really looking at, um, what are, what was getting me stuck at work. And those were different for me, um, because I was transitioning from being a full-time mom to being, you know, to working full-time. Um, and then there were other issues that I was dealing with as a leader, um, and the way I was showing up as a leader, and then really looking at, um, what was, uh, triggering me. And in that regard, I was, um, and then what I was really building within this. So those perspectives allowed me to see, well, if this is what I'm experiencing as a leader and a human being, right. And so we're human as leaders. Sometimes I think people think, well, they can't be human too. They can't have those same experiences. Employees and they so much too. And especially like right now with the pandemic, um, it's, you know, no one taught us how to lead through a pandemic, how to support others while we're also experiencing the same pain as everybody else, um, which has really been very challenging. And I think that's where a lot of this has come into play is these things are going to continue to change in our environment. And so if it's not the pandemic, it's, you know, we had a furlough situation this summer and we had a move to a different building and, you know, our children get to different ages and stages and that causes us to change. So there is constant change. Yeah. Even when COVID becomes at a place where we can someday look back and say, wow, (laughs) that changed me. And here's all the great ways it changed me. Mm -hmm. Um, But well, there will be other changes that we'll need to adapt to. And that's where I saw that, you know, going into this, you know, into the workforce and then all these other changes is those skills, learning those skills will help you through any of those changes. So it doesn't matter whether it's in your life or it's in your work or if it's, you know, personal, physical um, and uh, illness and stuff like that. So those are skills that you can use for all of that. Um, like one operating system to help in those things that will continue to pop up in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's the, you know, kind of the theme of this podcast too, is just that we keep uh, recreate or re-experiencing, recreating the same um, blocks, same obstacles, the same feelings of stuckness. And we each have triggers, right? Everybody has triggers. And because I think what you're like, what you're saying, People think, oh, well, they've got it figured out. They don't have triggers. They don't have mental health issues. They don't. And this 
I, I just believe the more we talk about this, the more we destigmatize it and normalize it in that everyone experiences some symptoms of depression and anxiety and, you know, panic and grief and fear and shame, all of these emotions. And, but it's like when you went to the life coach and you said, I just want to get over there. And she said, but the best part is now you have to go through the now and sit with the discomfort and understand your triggers and understand those fears and those feelings in order to get to the over there. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was actually, I just completed this four week um, self-compassion course with you guys. And that was the thing that, and that was the aha moment for, we don't take this self-compassion workshop to get, you know, to no longer be able to have pain and suffering. We take it because life is filled with pain and suffering and self-compassion is a way of being able to take our pain and maybe suffer 10% less because we're being able to see where the pain is coming from Mm -hmm. and how we can soothe ourselves um, when the pain comes and know that it too will pass Um, and, and be given some tools along the way to how do I get through until I do get to the other side of the pain. Right. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love it when doing it with a group because you start to then see other people's experience and they're like, you know what, they're not much different than mine. I think there's comfort in that. I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, that what I'm feeling that what I'm experiencing everybody else's too. So, and that also gives me compassion, realizing other people may not be able to meet me where I'm at because of their own pain Mm -hmm. that they're going. Through. And so, and that can help give us empathy. And that's one of the things that um, in the research that I've been doing with work and, and what I'm offering is empathy has been the number one uh, skill, competency that we've seen that has helped leaders through this time of the pandemic. Because it's not about having the answers. There, there is no answer. You know, we've even seen Dr. Fauci like this way, no, this way, because we're learning as we're going. Right. Um, but we can all offer empathy and be a little more gentle to each other as we go through this journey, knowing that the way I go through it may be very different than the way you go through it. Our pain may be different, but we are going through this together and learning those tools on how to do that, I think is powerful. Yeah. So when you boil it down, let's say going back to, um, you know, how you help people become better leaders and to, to uh, have more um, uh, retention in their business or more job satisfaction, those things, would you say that is one big ingredient that maybe people aren't looking at is empathy? Maybe a leader has to have empathy or there are others or what other things do you see as helpful? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. There's a lot there. Um, I think for the pandemic, I think empathy is one of the number one skills. But one of the things that I I do do a lot of um, that I I think are game changers are assessments. Um, And they're really looking inside of yourself. So I do uh, the whole suite of Hogan personality assessments. um, And that's really looking at an individual's bright side. What are their derailers and what do they value? Because that's where they should be. That's where the happiness comes when we're in a place that we can use our strengths. Um, And then being able to look at, there is really a combination. So it's not like this one skill makes you a great leader. Like I've heard people say, well, you have to be an extrovert to be a leader. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many things um, that make up a great leader. Um, And I think one of those number one ingredients is knowing yourself. 
And so it's that self-awareness of, like you had mentioned, what are those things that are triggering you? What are you doing when they trigger, right? And how are you managing to that? Right. Um, and so you noticing, and I think when you start to get into that mindfulness state, we can start to feel in our bodies where, and oh, here it comes, this person or this thing or this topic has triggered me and I can feel it coming on. So instead of reacting to the way I'm feeling um, about this, which may be in contradiction to what's going on, I can pause now and find a space where I can respond in a way that I want to show up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that takes practice. Yes. Um, and it really takes that knowing, knowing yourself. Um, and not that this one skill is better than this one, but really understanding these are the strengths that I have and how do I bring that to the best of my ability um, in this environment. And every environment's different. So what makes a leader good in one environment may not make them good in another environment. And they may have to do a lot of shifts. Like I said, I went from private industry to the federal government. That was massive. Um, and so the type of leader to show up in either one of those environments is very different because of the culture and the norms that are what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And being able to learn that part about your environment as well and how you show up and how you want to show up to be successful in those areas. Yeah. Having some flexibility and, um, you know, that made me think of when a lot of times when I'm talking to people in therapy and they describe a conflict at work, right. With their boss or a coworker. And I, you know, we're listening to it from a different perspective and cause I'm saying, Oh, well, if you felt triggered by the way that she spoke to you, you know, what does that remind you of go inside and 99.9% .9 of the time they'll say, Oh, it reminded me of the way my mom did this, or the way my aunt did that to me, you know, <laughs> and, yes. and they, so then we're unpacking all of these, um, this history of emotions related to this one conflict with your boss. And then I say, okay, now imagine that that boss is also coming to the table with their own triggers, right? Yes. Which is what you're talking about, which actually is empathy. And even though we can't put ourselves mm -hmm. in that boss's shoes to understand why they're being so reactive towards us, we can understand that now they have a history of lifetime experiences that are being triggered. And we're just these two children that are playing it out, basically, right? Right. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very. Yeah. And so it does that. Yeah. Um, and I think what makes therapy different than coaching is, um, you know, as a therapist, you do go deep into where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. As a coach, we go forward and instead of going deep as from where did that come from? We go forward and say, you know, well, you know, we look at emotions as um, I think we are trained to look at emotions as good or bad. Anger is bad, you know, kindness is good, you know, happiness is good. And it's not the case. It's right. emotions are, are healthy for you. They actually give you information about yourself and your environment and they give, they put you into action. So from these emotions, you now are compelled to act on them. And so as a coach, it's now, how do you want to act mm -hmm. on them? Right. And so noticing and recognizing this triggers me and this is how I typically act and I get defensive or whatever it is for that individual is does that serve you well mm. when you do that are you getting what you need then out of the situation is it serving you well and if it isn't serving you well 
What is a behavior that you could possibly change? Because personality is set, right? At our ages, when we're out there in the world working and stuff like that, our personality is pretty set from our experiences, like you had mentioned. But our behavior is something if we want to, if there's the desire and there's the work that goes into it and we notice what is happening, we can make shifts in our behavior and dial some things down a little bit that we may want to create some shifts. Okay. Um, but that takes that noticing and being able to work with it and sticking with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're saying you look at becoming unstuck more as behavioral change. You know, there's behavioral, emotional, psychological. There's all these different ways we can change. You're, you're looking at it as behavioral change. And then do the assessments you administer help you determine how to address that behavior? Yeah. So, well, and that's where the coach comes in. Um, So the assessment will say, um, for example, I'm high on excitability. So when certain things come up that trigger me, I can go from zero to a hundred, just like that, like Mm -hmm. within the snap of a finger where other people may be able to not react to it at all. You will be able to, and that's what gets you into that. um, And you may be Overusing that is a great skill to have, right? And being able to notice, wow, this requires some action. But you may be going too far to where you're reacting to it, and then you're you're shutting other people around you down mm-hmm. because your response is so quick and so out there that you haven't had a chance to really assess where is my environment and what's the appropriate response. And let's say I agree with if I'm not in agreement. I'm not saying I have to agree. I'm saying, but what is something that will help me be successful? Um, The behavior. So it's really being able to notice that I have those behaviors and then being able to manage them for the situation Mm -hmm. um, that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to, um, you know, like, let's say someone's listening right now and is experiencing this, you know, some of these recurrent themes that you come across when you're coaching people, would you have any, I don't know, like words of advice on where to start and, you know, how they get, get started on something like this? Yeah, I think um, some of the, um, you know, as far as the practice is really experimenting Mm-hmm. for yourself and trying to, like I had mentioned, I went to an acupuncturist and then I went to a therapist and I went to a life coach and I, and I experimented with different ways of getting unstuck mm-hmm. in this um, situation. And I found there were a little bit of something in each one of those for me. And there wasn't one that was, that was the answer. And only that was the answer. And so I felt like by experimenting. And so it's part of that, where we talked about having that growth mindset. Uh, well, this, you know, going to a therapy, eh, I'm not, it's not a mental health issue that may not be being open to, well, I've never done that before, but maybe that's something that will help me get unstuck. Maybe that was the one thing I was missing and what I was trying. So really, I think, um, because I think what works is what works for you, right? And so I always tell the folks when I'm in meditation in the mindfulness classes that I'm teaching is the only meditation and that works is the one that works for you. So if it's 20 minutes on the cushion and that works for you and that helps you get to being able to be more um, responsive rather than reactive to certain situations, that's great. If it's only five minutes and that's all you have, then it's five minutes and that's all you have. And and if that's working for you, there is no this is right and this is wrong. And so I think being able to experiment with that, you start to see what 
you, your preferences are, um, and being able to, and same kind of thing as when you're exercising, right. And everyone really, um, you know, Oh, I go to this class and I like this teacher. I don't like that teacher. And I like spinning, but I don't like yoga. And I like, you know, like, and so, but you don't know that unless you experiment with it. And so I think the experimentation, I think is something that, um, and, and ha- going into it with a growth mindset is something that I would recommend mm-hmm. uh, that folks do. And I find people come into my class because it's like, well, I tried this, but that wasn't quite working. So I'm going to try this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so you'll, you never know where that's going to lead to you. Like I said, I went into coaching and all of a sudden mindfulness came up and then positive psychology. And so it could start to really open those opportunities for you and be able to see that these challenges I was facing have become a real gift. Yes. Can you define a little bit clear growth mindset? Because I think when I was growing up, I didn't, I never heard that. And now my kids use that too. And I'm like, that's great. But you know, so for some people that don't know exactly what that means. Yeah. So there's two different schools of thought of a growth versus a fixed mindset. Um, And so a fixed mindset, we tend to go into things of, well, um, you, like you said, I can, I don't like taking yoga, for example, I I can't stretch like that. I don't know how to do that. And that's great. That's good for you. And and you're getting a lot of benefit from that, but you already have a mindset of I've tried it before. I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't bend like that. I don't, you know, I don't do that. Having a growth mindset is, well, I haven't been able to do it yet. And that's the key word yet, Mm -hmm. but I can try it. Mm-hmm. And and be open to the experience of it, um, and and practice that. And so that's the big word that we say is instead of saying no, I don't, I'm not good with numbers. I've never been good with numbers. I can't do that. I haven't been good with numbers yet, but it doesn't mean I can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to be open to the experience instead of using your history and your past to shut you down before you even got started mm-hmm. on it story for yourself that it's not possible for you right mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah. sense that comes up a lot um also yeah. therapy <laughs> yes i this i'll try that and i remember i had one client that would start every sentence with well the problem is and they would go mm-hmm. into the problem of why it won't work you know? yeah. and so you, that's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about right right well, and I think you bring a good point there. It, language is, is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is so powerful in the way that we may have already closed ourselves off to the opportunity based on the language that we're using. And so being mindful of um, and staying that this is being done to me. COVID is being done to me. Instead, it is being done for me. Mm-hmm. Because there's something here that I was missing. And I need to figure out what that was. And so when I come out of this on the other side, I'll have been able to look back and say, wow, what a journey. And without that experience, I wouldn't be here, which is the gift, right? Yeah. yeah. Not why this is, why is this happening to me, but what is this here to teach me? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's like, that opens the language of growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is great. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. How can people contact you or get in touch with you for, you know, for any services? Yes. So I'm with the Delray Psych and Wellness Center. Um, And so um, 
I'm actually on the website there now under the wellness um, coaching. And so offering, you know, a suite of coaching services and as well as um, workshops. So I've done a um, building resilience through mindfulness, meditation, uh, self-compassion, and I'm about to offer um, in April, a introduction to uh, mindfulness meditation, uh, three week workshop for that. Um, and then some packages for graduates mm-hmm. um, and re- folks who are retiring um, to be able to look at, you know, moving, transitioning into a new phase of life um, and starting that off with a growth mindset um, of what that can, the possibilities of what that can be um, for individuals and um, businesses. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being a guest. So nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. This community is amazing. Um, I've been in Alexandria for 25 years now. And so um, it's really great to be um, with Delray Psychomonas and being able to offer this to such an amazing community. Yes, yes. We appreciate you. So thank yeah. you so much. And um, we will see you next time at uh, What Is Happening to Me? Bye-bye. Bye-bye.